This is Brother John Metter, and as was winding the broadcast up last week, I was in Ephesians, I mean, I'm sorry, Hebrews, the fifth chapter, and I was reading from verse 12. For, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. The first principles, children, are the basics. They are the basics. It's what you do to come to the Lord. It's what you do to get saved. You heard me preaching in the early part of the broadcast last week, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, but all this stuff of praying a sinner's prayer with people and having to repeat, uh, it doesn't work anything in their spirit. Most of these people, uh, nothing ever changes in them. Nothing ever uh happens in them by the Spirit of God. They're never convicted of anything, and then they turn and go right back out into the world. The word repentance means to turn from. And that's what happens when godly sorrow comes in, when the Spirit of God convicts you, and it brings conviction. And it tells us in uh, John chapter 16 that when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will reprove sin. You've got to have the working of the Spirit of God in your life to reprove sin, or it's got to come to you and begin to reprove sin to to bring a godly sorrow, to bring a repentant heart of the things you've done wrong. And uh, the Spirit of God will smite your heart. So here uh, Paul is teaching, and, and I know there's a controversy about whether Paul wrote Hebrews or not, but to me, he wrote it, what I've studied, and it's like Paul's writing. So he's saying the first principles. Uh you're not sticking to them. You're not being obedient to them. And you have need that someone turn around and teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have become as such as have need of meat and not of strong uh, milk and not of strong meat. Peter said that we desire when we are babes, when we first come to Christ, when we're young in the Lord, when we first receive salvation, he said we are babes and we desire than sincere milk of the word. But you know, in the natural, a baby uh, will suck the breast or suck the bottle six months, maybe a little bit longer. And then that baby will begin to want more nourishment. And it has to have, uh, you start it out on something soft and cereal and you begin to feed it. And then it gets teeth where it can chew up and eat solid food. In verse 13, he says, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So ask yourself, how long have I been serving God? How long have I been uh, striving to walk with the Lord? And if it's been several years, then you've got to stop and ask yourself, am I still in desiring milk? Am I getting strength? Am I growing? Am I uh, eating meat of the word? Or am I still a babe? Is there still carnality and envy and strife and division and jealousy? Are all these things still among uh, uh, in my life? If they are, you are a babe. If there is confusion and division and strife and jealousy, and there, there, the Bible tells us that there should be no schism in the body. If we're still arguing over these basic doctrines, if we're still arguing and you are not yet convinced and you don't know what you believe. Paul didn't tell you to go argue you were not. Paul put out the word and he contended with them on their doctrine and then he moved on. He didn't spend days and years and weeks on, on one topic. He laid the foundation and he grew on. 
He stayed in places a year, year and a half, two and three years, and he taught people that were hungry. Did he dispute with people that disagreed with him? Yes, he did, but he spent the majority of his time teaching and establishing people in the Lord. And once they were established on the Word, then he would pray and he would ordain elders in the churches and in those cities, and he would move on to another city led by the Spirit of God. Some uh, places took longer than others. I know uh, that his first missionary journey was years because he would stay, like I said, in a place year, year and a half, two years. And he would help people and he would get them established in the Word. He would get them established and settled and strengthened. And, you know, Peter said, I believe it's in First uh, Peter 5 and verse 10, after ye have suffered a while, the Lord will establish, strengthen, settle you. And then it doesn't stop there. But it says, and make you perfect or bring you to maturity and completeness in Christ. You've got to be brought to a place of maturity. You cannot stay where you're at in God because if you do, you are a babe. The word of God in you is is milk and you are unskillful with that word. And your goal, whether you're called in ministry or not, should be to tell somebody about Jesus, to tell somebody and have enough knowledge and be skillful enough in the Word that you can convince them that Jesus is the Christ and get them to turn their heart and their life over to Him. Uh, and Paul went on and said in uh, Hebrews 5 and 14, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, or them that are growing, them that are maturing, them that are uh, being strengthened by the meat of the word, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There are many people that are going to church, and I've seen them. I've been uh, in this world 66 some odd years. And uh, going on 67, and I've been uh, raised in church and ministry, and I've been uh, around the things of God probably 63 out of the 66 years of my life. I went to church till I was around 16 years old, and then I kind of started getting out, and I got out on my own and drifted away. But at 19 years of age, I came back to the Lord. The Lord convicted me of my sins. I repented. I immediately began to pray and fast and study the Word. And I didn't go to school to learn to preach. I didn't go to college and get degrees. I went to my knees and began to seek the Lord with all of my heart. I began to fast and God gave me a spirit of prayer and a crying out for His Word to be revealed in me. And for 47 years now... I have preached God's Word and done my best to walk up right before Him and live holy and clean according to His Word and the leadership of His Spirit and the working of the Holy Ghost that He has put in my spirit. And I have learned to discern both good and evil. And I've seen people live for God for years and still keep falling in the same pits and the same traps and the same sin. And the same evil that uh, had them bound when they were uh, just young in the Lord. You know, Paul told us, uh, I believe it's in Hebrews 12. He said, uh, uh, well, the scripture just left me right there. And let me get over and look it up. 
uh, I believe it's Hebrews 12. Let me let me get it right here. But he talked about that we are compassed about. I believe it is with so great a cloud of witnesses. Yes, Hebrews 12 and 1, wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Paul was talking about here all those witnesses that he wrote about in Hebrews 11, all those men of faith, all those people that walked with God and the things they done and the miracles God performed and and, and all the mighty acts of God that God done when he brought uh, the children out of Egypt, how that he commanded Noah to build a boat and just him and his three sons over a period of 120 years, four men built a huge boat and, and put all the known animals of the earth at that time on that boat and, and fed them and kept them and, and through that flood and God sustained them and God kept them. And it wasn't Noah that went out and rounded them animals up. It was the Spirit of God that drew them to Noah and drew them into that ark. And as that ark door stayed open seven days, them animals came in. At the end of that seven days, Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives went into that ark. And God shut the door and God shut them in. And it began to rain and it had never rained on the face of the earth. And it began to rain and the fountains of the deep broke open. But God kept them through all those things. God kept them. And here in Hebrews 12 and 1, it says, Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. You want to know what those witnesses are? Go back and read Hebrews 11. And he said, Since we've had so many people gone before us as a witness to God's mighty acts and mighty hands, we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So what's Paul telling us to do here? He said, lay aside every sin. Lay aside every weight. A weight is not something that's necessarily sin, but it can become sin. In other words, it's weighting you down. It's slowing you down in your walk with God. There are many things that we have in our lives. I don't know that you could necessarily call them sins, but they are hindering our relationship with God, they are weights, and if they're weights, then they will probably become sin to us somewhere. And there's all these things we're caught up in. We're caught up in all the things of the world, and uh, we get caught up in life. We get caught up in all these cares of life, and Jesus spoke about it in Luke. He said, do not let the cares of life, he said, choke out the Word of God, he said, because if it does... Uh, you can get caught up in the cares of life. It will choke up, choke out the things of God. It will choke out the Word of God. And you will bring forth no fruit to perfection. <clears throat> he said there will be those that will bring forth 30-fold, some 60. He said, but there will be some that will bring forth a 100-fold. Why? They apply themselves. You are only going to apply yourselves 30%. That's what you're going to bring forth. You're going to apply yourself 60%. You're, that's what you're going to bring forth, but you're going to apply yourself 100%. You are going to bring forth fruit unto perfection or maturity. But he said, he went on and said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is not just the author of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. And it is time to get back on track. It's time to get back to seeking God. It's time to get back to prayer. 
and, and doing the things that are right in the eyes of the Lord. It's time to get a conviction back in our hearts and our homes and get the spirit of prayer, children of God. Nothing's going to get in order in this nation. Nothing's going to get in order in our government. Nothing's going to get in order in the church until the home is set back in God's divine order. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. It can't happen because what God does in the church has to be carried to the home, and the home has to be in God's divine order. The church has to be in God's divine order. And the church is not in God's divine order because the home is not in the, in God's divine order. There's too much carnality. There's too much worldliness. There's too much ungodliness. There's too many things that go on in the home that hinders uh, prayer, that hinders studying of the Word, that hinders mamas and daddies from having a family altar with their children. They can do all kind of activities out in the world. They can have a movie night, a family night. I'm for families being together. I, I raised three kids. I did not do all that I should have done. I have asked God to forgive me, but I didn't know at that time all that needed to be done. I was traveling many days in the evangelistic ministries. My kids was going up, growing up. A lot of responsibility fell on my wife. She done the best she could with our children, but we did not know the principles that God has laid down now is restoring a family back to prayer. Though your homes in the evening should be filled with prayer. They should be filled with the ministry of the Word. They should be filled with Bible study. Let your kids ask questions. Y'all discuss the Word of God. Teach them to pray. Teach them to pray. Teach them to pray. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to call on the name of the Lord. And as they get older and start having problems, they will turn to the Lord. Did uh, the Word of God not instruct us? Raise up a child in the way it should go. And when it was old, it will not depart. We, we, we say, well, I raised my kids in church. Yeah, but what did you teach them? What have you learned in the church? What has the church taught you? Are you growing in God? Are you growing in wisdom and knowledge and understanding? Are you sitting under leadership? Are you sitting under pastors and teachers that are bringing you forth in your calling? Are you sitting under an apostolic word that lays in solid doctrine that causes uh, sound doctrine to be preached and you grow in it? You know, Paul told Titus, he said, for this purpose... I left thee in Crete that thou must uh, bring forth or you must take care of what is lacking. You've got to bring forth what's lacking. I've come, I've taught, and I've ordained elders in the church, and he ordained Titus to become an apostle. And Titus was an apostle to the church in Crete. And he ministered there and spoke to the churches in that area. And he, he told them in, in Titus, the second chapter in the first verse, he said, But teach thou things which become sound doctrine. All this arguing, all this fussing and fighting. My God, just preach the word. Don't worry if people believe it or not. So there's people that don't believe it. Let every man be a liar and God be true. Don't worry about what they do. And don't believe. Sometimes people get caught up in a religious spirit and want to prove themselves right. And they argue and fuss and fight about the uh, uh, water baptism. They they fight about how the Holy Ghost comes in and when you can receive it. Let me tell you something. There's no certain time in your life that you receive the Holy Ghost. That's what I was talking about in the house of Cornelius. Peter came and preached and the Holy Ghost fell. They received the Holy Ghost because their hearts was prepared and then Peter stood up and said, Can any man forbid water 
that these should not be baptized, seeing they have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. So you can't say you got to be baptized first. You can't say that you've got to uh, uh, be baptized in water first before you can receive the Holy Ghost. You can't say that because it's happened both ways in the Scriptures. It's happened, children. And you just got to know that when the heart is right and people are taught whether they've been baptized in water or not, they are going to receive the Spirit of Christ moving into them. And then when they get it, then they can get baptized or they can get baptized before. Stop this stupid bickering and fussing and fighting and let's go on to maturity. And Paul said in, in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, Therefore leaving the principles, there's your basics again, of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. That word means maturity and completeness in Christ, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. If you're always having to repent of what you've done wrong, then you have dead works. You're gaining no victory. You're not moving forward. Something has you bound. And until you have a prayer life and learn to pray and seek the face of God and get the working of the Holy Ghost down inside of you, you're not going to have any victory. You're not overcoming anything if you're always laying again the foundation of repentance and it's from dead works. You have got to come alive in the Spirit of God. It's good to repent, but you need to gain ground in God. Get repentance. Get true repentance. Repent, be baptized in water, move forward, receive the Holy Ghost. Let the Spirit of Christ begin to teach you. Let it begin to edify you. The Word tells you in John 14, 15, and 16 that the Holy Ghost is a teacher, that it will lead you into all truth, that it will lead you uh, into the working of the Spirit of God, that it will lead you into uh, a fuller measure in truth of God because it says, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he shall guide you into all truth. And the Spirit of truth is the Spirit of the resurrected Christ. And Jesus said, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he's going to testify of me. So your life is going to begin to testify that the resurrected living Christ is living in you. He's taken his abode in you. And we are pressing toward a restoration. We are pressing toward that life of Christ being revealed in us. Paul said it in Colossians 3. He said, if you be risen with Christ, then seek those things which are above. What was he talking about? If you be, uh, if your soul be risen, if it be resurrected out of your sins, if you were uh, those that were dead in sins and Jesus Christ came and you applied the blood to your life, you applied and you've been quickened by the Spirit of God, he said, then your mind and your affections and your attentions ought to be set on things above and not on things beneath. But we've got people that are uh, confession Christianity and they're living in the world. They're doing the things of the world. They, they go to church a couple of times a week. And you call it judging. You call what you want to. I know what the Word says. I know how God taught me. And God told me to come out from among the world, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing. And he said, if you do this, I will be your son, and you will be my sons and my daughters, and I will be your father, and I will live in you and walk in you. 
And if he lives in us and walks in us, then we're going to, we're going to be like Jesus right here on this earth. We're going to have his mind. We're going to have his thoughts. Uh, we're going to do as he done. We're going to preach as he preached. We're going to have faith of his faith and miracle of his miracles. Uh, you can't, if he's living in you, the life of the tree comes from the sap. And the sap comes from the roots. And whatever the root brings forth, whatever it brings in, that is what you become. I made a demonstration years ago, and I took uh, a big branch, and then I took a smaller branch, and I skinned the big branch back, and I took the smaller branch and skinned it, and then I tied them together with tape. I grafted it in, in other words. And the Lord talks about the grafting in in Romans 11. We can be grafted in. We are Gentiles. We can be grafted in to Christ. We can, by the Spirit of God, be circumcised and grafted into the working of the Spirit of God. And I made the demonstration. I said, you take a red apple tree and a yellow apple tree, and you graft that limb of that yellow apple tree into that red apple tree, and, and I said, and it takes hold, I said, it's going to produce apples. That one limb's going to produce apples that are different for a little while. That first year, it might produce yellow apples. The second year, it might start producing an orange-colored apple. But year by year, that apple's going to get darker and darker and darker until it takes on the nature of that tree, until it takes on what that tree produces because the sap that is in that limb is going to produce, it's going to keep it alive for a little while. It's going to produce what's in that limb. It may take a season. It may take two. It may take five. I don't know. But all I know is eventually the sap rising from them roots because that's the life. That is what uh, dictates what that tree produces is that sap that comes up out of the root. And one uh, eventually it's going to produce red apples just like the whole tree. Why? The life of that limb of that yellow apple is purged out. It grows out. It produces and it gives out. And it begins to take on the life of that tree and become grafted in. And that's the way it is in Christ. I don't know why this is so hard to see that people think they can name the name of Jesus and they can go and live unclean and ungodly and unholy. But I'm telling you, the Lord is bringing in a move of His Spirit. He is bringing in a move of His Spirit that is going to go beyond Pentecost. And I don't know why people think they're so comfortable knowing what God's going to do because we have never had what happened at Pentecost. We've read about it. We've heard testimonies of it. We've seen movies of it. We've seen people... Uh, put on film what they thought happened on the day of Pentecost according to what the Scripture says. And we get these thoughts in our minds and we get the ideals in our minds of what it's going to be like. But let me tell you, what God is doing now is a restoring of what happened. And there are going to be some similarities in part, but He is also bringing in something greater and something different and something we have no knowledge of as he works this restoring into people's hearts and minds and lives and the churches that will listen. You know, it's so hard to get people to do what Paul said here, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection or maturity or completeness in Christ, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works,
What is your growth? Are you seeing growth? Do you have a goal? Do you have a place you're trying to reach in Christ? Do you have a desire to grow, to go forward, to be a vessel that God can use? If you do, you have to apply the Word to your life. You have to apply prayer to your life. You have to reach that place that you are uh, coming out of the world. You have to reach, uh, reach that place that you are losing your life. Jesus itself told us that if a man lose his life for my sake, he shall find it. But if he findeth life in this world, he's going to lose the life that I can bring in him. He's going to lose that life of the Spirit that I can bring in him, that walk with God, that relationship. People today talk about relationship, but very few people have a relationship with God. And when I say that, I know by the fruit of the Spirit. I know that by the fruit that they bear. I know that because the fruit that people talk about bearing does not line up with the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus said, you shall know the tree by his fruit. His disciples bore fruit of him. His disciples in the early church bore the fruit and the life that Christ was in them. We're not seeing that now, so I don't know what fruit is being born on these trees today, but it's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the working of the Holy Ghost that's bringing conviction. It's not the working of the Holy Ghost that's bringing forth the working of the Spirit of God in demonstration and power. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. See, there's so many things that we're talking about and people talk about the Word. They sing about the Word. They praise God for the Word. They talk about a God of miracles that was and a God of miracles that's going to be. And they confess that they believe in a God of miracles, but they're seeing nothing. Nothing's happening. Nothing is being produced. Nothing is being brought forth, so there's got to be a change. If we're going to impact this world with our lives, if we're going to impact this world with the testimony of Christ, then Christ has got to be formed. You know, Paul said in one of the epistles, he said, My little children, of whom I travail in birth, until Christ be formed in you again. Paul was wanting Christ to be formed in them. Some of them may have had a beginning of something, or they may not have, but Paul said, of whom I travail in birth, who by travail in prayer, in birth, I'm travailing for you again and again and again and again and again that Christ might be formed in you. It's time to start praying, children, that Christ be formed in us. It's time to start knocking and seeking and asking. That's not salvation. That is not a salvation scripture, just like no man cometh to the Father except he come through Jesus. Jesus is the door. That is not a salvation scripture. That is a scripture referring to restoration. That is a scripture referring to reconciliation found in Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, 17 through I think the 21st verse. These are not salvation scriptures. They are scriptures to bring man back to God and for man to find a place in God that he once was created in. This is Brother Metter. I see again that our time is gone, and I thank you for listening. Uh, I would greatly like to hear from you. Please sit down. Write this address down. P.O. Box 1618, Conyers, C-O-N-Y-E-R-S, Georgia. Zip is 30012. You can write me. 
Uh, you can address it to John Metter. You can address it to World Revivals, either one. If you send a donation, please make the donation to World Revival. Send us your prayer request. Send what this broadcast is doing for you. Go to our website, which is mansentfromgod.org. There you can uh, hear audios of these messages. You can listen and you can also get on YouTube, and there's videos there on YouTube. There's prophecies. There's church services. And I hope it's not going to be too long. We're laboring now to uh, start doing some teaching on uh, our YouTube channel. It just seems like every time we'd go to do it, something would hinder. But I believe uh, God is setting everything in place for us to begin to teach again on YouTube and we are uh, ministering now over the internet to churches in Africa and we've just uh, been able to get them some Bibles, help them get some sound equipment and now we are going to uh, help them get a projector and things so they can watch us when we preach to them. Uh, May God bless you. I appreciate you joining us. Keep us in your prayers. We love you. See you at the same time next week. God bless you.